Welcome to the Junior Year Episode 11 of the Horror 5 Class. My name is Tyler, and I am the Editor-in-Chief of Signal Horizon, a company dedicated to exploring horror in and out of the classroom. When I'm not managing Signal Horizon, I'm a teacher at a local high school here in Kansas City, Missouri, and tonight I'm joined by my co-host and monster ambassador here at Signal Horizon, <laughs> award-winning writer Oren Gray. How's it going? Hey, hey, not too bad, not too bad. Today, we're going to start off by discussing what uh, we are excited about. We're going to highlight some free horror content on the internet, and we're going to conclude with an in-depth discussion and look at the movie Black Mountainside with our special guest, author Scott R. Jones. Hey, Scott, we're familiar with your work. We've read your stuff, but uh, why don't you tell everyone else out there um, who you are, what uh, maybe some of the the work that you have coming out? And, sure. You know all of the pertinent information about yourself. Pertinent, oh pertinent. That's uh, yeah, that's uh, I don't know that I don't know that I don't know that any of it is pertinent. But uh, <laughs> my name is uh, my name is Scott uh, R. Jones. I'm uh, an author from uh, Victoria, B.C. up in Canada, and uh, yeah, I've. Um, just had my debut collection of weird short fiction uh, come out uh, from uh, Trepidatio Publishing, which is an imprinted journal stone, and that came out on Friday. That finally dropped after a couple of months of anticipation. It is out in the world. It is called Shout, Kill, Revel, Repeat. Uh, and for those familiar with all things Lovecraftian, they may be able to suss out which original Lovecraft story that particular title comes from. But uh, I, I try in my weird fiction to, uh, you know, honor Lovecraft without being necessarily beholden yeah. uh, to, to, to him. So, yeah, it's uh, 17 stories. They're all creepy. There's science fiction elements, mostly horror. Yeah. That's uh, that is me for for the time being. Yeah, that's that's great, and we'll make sure we include a, a link to that new collection. I I think it seems to be that sweet spot to acknowledge where you know weird horror comes from. Yeah. Uh, without you know, to, to borrow your word, reveling in the you know <laughs> worst you know the worst parts of the it. worst aspects of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, uh, uh, I had uh, Cody Goodfellow read over uh, the collection before it came out, <clears throat> and he put it really, he, he wrote a, he wrote a small blurb for me, but I just, I just love how he put it. He's basically, uh, too often the, the, uh, the shell is ground up with the meat oh. uh, when, when it comes to, when it comes to Lovecraftian and mythos themed or mythos adjacent uh, uh, fiction and uh, you've got to be able to extract it right mm -hmm. you've got to be able to extract yeah. extract what's of value and then uh, and then move with that into the future and I think yeah I think you, I think it is an inter an interesting space we're in yeah. right now an interesting time for uh, you know this particular sub subsets of the of the horror genre yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. We're in a, yeah. It's an interesting time to be alive and writing for sure. <clears throat> well, and I I think as, as seems like more and more is the case. I think horror is uh, 
leading the way, you know, trying to, uh, <laughs> you know, to separate that uh, meat from the gristle and, and, you know, to to move culture forward, maybe, if I could be that bold. I don't know. Uh, be that yeah. bold. Yeah, be I, that bold. I don't yes. know. I'm full of shit most of the time. I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, let's talk for a moment. Oren, what have you been watching? What have you been reading? What uh, What's exciting you this week? Uh, well, I guess I just caught In Fabric at uh, at the Screenland oh. on Friday, and it that was that was definitely moving pictures and sounds that I watched. That was <laughs> that was a thing. Um, at, as I said about, I mean, I, I wrote a review for it for Signal Horizon, so you can read it in, in greater length there. But um, I had previously seen Barbarian Sound Studio by the same director and really liked it, but also I couldn't really tell you what happened in it even though I watched it and liked it. And the same is more or less true of in fabric. Like I, I can tell you the, the broadest outlines of what it's about, but man, like why some of the stuff in it happens, I have no, no clue. It is a very weird movie. All right. I, 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 I feel you on that barbarian sound studio <laughs> oh, too. Yeah. In that it's like, he's a, he's, it's a tone poem. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a 90 minute tone poem. It's, it's, it's really something. Yeah, but yeah, I, I I can't recall a thing of it either. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, I had I had fun. It was beautiful. It was like even good. But what the fuck was going on? I don't know. <laughs> I think that is a hundred percent fair. And at least with Sound Studio, like I I I dug it kind of. All right, so I felt like it. Like I feel about Led Zeppelin, which is like I know it's really good, but. Like, I don't think I'm cool enough to get it. So I was like... I don't know. think anyone is. Like, yeah. I, I I, mean, I, I know you say that a lot about things, but, like, in the case of Peter Strickland movies, like, I don't think there's a getting it. I don't think that that is... I don't think that happens. Like, okay. all right. I'm not sure there is sense underneath all that. <laughs> that makes me feel so much better. So it's like, not to say that it isn't good. I, I like it, but I'm, I'm not sure there's... I'm not sure there's there's sense there. I think it's like surrealism or something. I don't even know. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm Oren, do you think that's the director's remit when he goes in? It's just you're you know you the viewer. You're not going you know you you're not going to get this. You're not I meant hope, to get this. I hope it is because if it's yeah. not, poor guy. <laughs> um. <laughs> And he's just like, uh, you know, totally down for messing with everybody, you know? And I'm, I'm sure he is like reading all the reviews of the people that like are like, I totally got it. And he's like, no, you didn't. You know, he's like, you're full of shit. You know? yeah, I dig that. that. That brings me great joy. Uh, all right, Scott, what uh, what about you? What have you been watching, reading, anything uh, particular? Oh, what have I been, I've been working on, uh, well, it's not even working on it. I, I whipped it off in a couple hours just uh, yesterday. Uh, Grant, uh, sorry, not, not Grant. Warren Ellis's. Warren Ellis's Normal. It's a little novella okay. uh, that he put out, I guess, back in 2016 is when it came out. Cool. And, yeah, I, I really enjoy... You know, when I do dip into science fiction, I enjoy I enjoy material that's that's basically the next week style. Okay. You know, it's it's the future, but it's it's not that far. And in normal, you've got uh, uh, strategic forecasters and oh, what's the other term? 
Oh, no, sorry. Foresight strategists, right? Okay. Who are civil futurists, right? And they think about geoengineering and smart cities. And then, uh, and then the other ones are strategic forecasters who are spook futurists. They work for the military. And, you know, all the, all these sort of shadowy concerns who are like, well, how are we going to how are we going to monetize and commodify the future? And, you know, the, and the others are, you know, how are we going to survive it? <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's just it takes place. It takes place on this little sort of a coastal asylum place for uh, uh, basically it's a hospital where strategic forecasters and, and, and uh, well, I can't remember what they Yeah. Strategic forecasters. And foresight strategists get to when they get abyss gaze from looking at all this stuff too much, and they can't live in society anymore. They sh- they uh, they ship them off to this hospital, okay. and then there's a murder. Okay, so yeah, no, I'm yeah, I'm super enjoying it. It's uh, you know it's Warren Ellis, so I you know I'm not a huge fan of of his comics, but it, he, he translates well to prose too. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy. About, I'm happy about that. I, I recommend it. Good, good book. Would you <clears throat> would you classify it as like hard science fiction? It sounds like it, at least in the setup. You know, it's it's not. Soft yeah, I guess. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I guess you can say that, that there's like hard elements. You know, he's interested in. It's it's basically comes down to drone. I'm not spoiling it for anybody, but it comes down to drone warfare and drone surveillance. Okay. Right, and so it's a lot of uh, a lot of. Uh, is that how we define hard science fiction now? Is it just all just all science? Because there's a huge social and uh, yeah. mental health element to this too, which would definitely put it into sort of a softer sciences, I'm guessing. But yeah, yeah, it's a it's a, it's it's a thing of its own for sure. It sounds like it's got a lot going on. That's cool. I love it. All right, well we'll put, <laughs> we'll put a link to that too. That sounds that sounds great. Well, um, I just got done reviewing the latest release from Dread Central's, like, uh, movie department called Epic Entertainment. Uh, it's a movie called Automation. Um, it is billed as horror comedy, and, uh, it's okay, you know? Like, uh, if you like... Is is that the one with the, like, Robocop suit? Yeah, it's got... got (laughs) It's got a dude in a rubber suit, right? So if you... Playing a robot. Yeah. And, like, it is purposely leaning into that aesthetic. So it... it and I put it in my review. If you like that, I think it, it knows that it's going for that audience and doesn't try to pretend to be something that it's not. And, uh, it, 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 like, goes for this half kind of social critique of real automation and like workers rights and the evolution of like i don't know industrial america or something and then hmm. uh at the very end it's like fuck all that <laughs> and then like it turns into this really su- silly like science fiction kind of murder robot thing uh with some, <laughs> with some boobs and some other stuff that i think I, I don't. It, it was fine. Uh, you know, if you got an hour and a half or two to kill on like a Sunday afternoon, it's totally worth it. So, uh, I don't know. That's that, that's kind of the big uh, project I've been working on. But uh, I've also been watching Watchmen. Like I feel like everybody else and their brother has, or at least it feels like that. 
I'm sorry, I have to disappoint you. I, I, yeah, I, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't either. That's all right. Um, uh, they, but it's on one of the streaming services I don't have, so. <clears throat> we, I, both my wife and I agreed to buy it. She's not a Watchmen person, but she watched, like, the first episode. And I read, like, the comics, but I'm not a diehard by any stretch. And I kind of like right. the movie, you know, I, um, yeah, it was fine. But the but the show's great and interesting and uh, I've heard it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's got uh, that Trent Reznor score that is unfreaking believable. And, yeah, the Trent Reznor had a control scores are always good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh Truth. I love love the leftovers. So like I I was I was already probably in the tank and, and the fact that it is actually a really good show too makes it super easy. So and uh, how, how does it compare to the boys, which kind of feels to me like oh, yeah. it's just same same thematic territory a little. Yeah, that's a that's a great question and a really fantastic comparison because they are the, very similar, but also way different. You know, the, mm-hmm. the the boys feels almost like, and I don't mean this in a pejorative sense, but like a sophomore comedy. You know, like there's a a lot of gore and a lot of silliness to it and if Watchmen has a fair critique it would be that it takes itself very very serious too you know <laughs> it is it is very into itself so I, I don't know I've had fun watching both but from a bubblegum pop perspective uh, you know the guys was great so I, I don't know I, I do think that they swim in the same little pond though Gotcha. And uh, the last thing I might add is uh, I am introducing my 12-year-old into kind of classic horror movies because he's into it. And uh, we watched the original Black Christmas to prepare for the new Woo! Christmas. Nice. Oh, the original Black Christmas is so good. It is. It is. And I tried to explain to him, like, Superman's girlfriend and all, and it, like his eyes glazed <laughs> over. It's like, okay. uh, but she's so great. She's so drunk in it. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. She's so delightful. Mm-hmm. From, from um, start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. I I even like the first remake of it. Um, it's very like sleazy and grindhousey, and its colors are great. It just looks very Christmassy and weird. Yeah. I, it's it. I don't know. It's it. You. Can it, I mean, it doesn't hold. It's not a patch on the original, but. Yeah, it's it's just it's a classic, right? It's a Canadian joint, isn't it? Uh, the original was, yeah. The original was, yeah. Well, I wanted to make sure that he could uh, wade into the Twitter war that you know happened as a result of uh, (laughs) Joe Bob Briggs' uh, comments about subtext. My God, you know, old and new movies. Ugh, stupid, stupid, stupid comment that was. Well, we, we can all um, go on Thursday or Friday and see the new Black Christmas and can weigh in on uh, whether or not, you know, whether or not we think he was on to something or whatever. I don't know. I mean, it's, it, uh, he certainly wasn't on to something regardless of how the new Black Christmas turns out. That's 100% true. Very true. Can I ask, uh, uh, can I ask Tyler, what did your son think of the original? Oh, he dug it, yeah. Oh, it is. Good, yeah. good, good. Um, there was some... Yeah, there are some things that don't, like, age well. Like, uh, the, the entire idea behind 
like prank calling people is just not a thing anymore you know like yeah it really isn't it really isn't so like, Film, films that rely on how telephones work rely on you knowing how telephones <laughs> yeah, work like yeah. yeah so like he's like wait a minute they answer the phone and this guy like moans into it and then they answer the phone again <laughs> You know, I mean, even I remember when they remade uh, when they remade when a stranger calls, which was a terrible remake anyway. But like the changes in just how phones worked made the original's plotline like not make any sense anymore. So they had to like change all this stuff, and it was really slapdash and haphazard. Because yeah. <laughs> you know, phones just don't work the same. Like even even then, which was early two thousands, I think late nineties, early two thousands. Even then, phones already didn't work the way they did. You know, twenty years before. Yeah, well, and I, we could probably have a whole episode about the evolution of phones from... Tech like, in general. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it, it seemed like they served this really fantastic way of adding to the tension, right? Until right. Until the early aughts, and then directors are like, how the hell do we get rid of them? Because they kill tension, you know, because all you got to do is take out your phone and call somebody to help you, you know? So, right. I don't know. I think and that's, that's when he's... Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say that, and 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 that's when you see them, you know, placing their narratives beyond uh, uh, cell phone tower range, right? <laughs> or whatever, yeah. Right. Or, you know, or, and, we, <laughs> and we start around. to see a we start to see a big uh, uptick in stories set in the past. Sure. True. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Uh, uh, Flanagan said in, I think, uh, uh, behind the scenes or something they did for the Haunting of Hill House, like that's. That's precisely why he sets things, you know, like in the 60s, so he can avoid that conversation, you know? Like, and admittedly, I I hate that obligatory scene where somebody takes out a cell phone and is like, hey, I don't get I don't have any bars. Yeah, yeah. I hate <laughs> got it. no bars. I, I understand why it's there, but it's like, <clears throat> oh, gosh, yeah. Here it comes. Um. I remember it was a different movie, but uh, one of the things I loved about The Taking of Deborah Logan, which is a movie I loved in general, was that it uh, its backstory involved like a switchboard operator, which then required you to kind of understand how switchboard operators worked. Like she overhears something she shouldn't have heard, and that's what kicks off the the sort of central mystery of the movie. Um, which is just such a great, like, such a great horror moment, but it also requires you to, like, stop and explain how a switchboard operator works because <laughs> no one knows now. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, but you're absolutely right. And I love that movie, too, that, uh, not to spoil it, but I think it's a, a gif that you can It is, uh, yeah. Of, like, where she's kind of got that person's head in her mouth. Oh, geez, yep. that is fucking terrifying. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It is. Speaking of so good, now would be a good time to transition. Every episode, we like to highlight something free on the internet, whether it be a game or a short film. In this particular instance, we have uh, a really interesting short story from a website called Lackingtons from the winter of 2017 by none other than our guest here tonight. <laughs> name of the story is Last Stand at Cougar Annie's. Yeah. Why don't you, uh, they're sick of hearing me talk, so <laughs> talk, uh, talk to us a little bit about, like, 
the maybe what the story is about and kind of how the evolution of the story came about and you know all of that. Stuff. Yeah, I can, I can, I, I can do that. It was a couple of couple of influences. I'd spent some time. I spent a year basically working in uh, uh, an area of uh, Vancouver Island called the Clackwatt Sound in a uh, little town called Tofino. And Cougar Annie's is actually a place. Uh, all, all the all the facts that I throw in there about the original Cougar Annie's, she was basically a settler. And there is an, uh, her homestead is called uh, Cougar Annie's Gardens now and is... Uh, Oh, uh, is it a national site? No, no nothing like that. It's just it's in Boat Basin, Boat Basin at Ashford. Oh, okay. So it's basically a, it's they it's it's a it's a cultural, uh, uh, not a museum exactly, but only you get what I'm saying. Only accessible by boat or plane. So it's really out there. It's a gorgeous space. There's some you know there's where she lived and and some outbuildings and the gardens themselves, and just very very inaccessible. And when I learned of this place, I thought, wow, you know that's a that's a survive the apocalypse place. Yeah. And, you know she sur she survived any number of apocalypse. You know, bad husbands that she ran off with rifles, and she was just this really interesting feminist figure. As well, at the time, you know, advertising for husbands in the newspapers, you know, when we would be, you know come to Tofino, come to Tofino, <laughs> yeah, as one does, you know, she's had racked up quite a collection. Um, but then, you know, I, I wanted to, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Sylvia, uh, Sylvia's uh, Dead North anthology that she was doing. Do you remember that, Orin? That was a while back. Sylvia Moreno, Moreno Garcia's anthology, Dead North, which was basically all apocalypse stories set north of the 49th. And yeah, I, I wrote it for that. I eventually, I didn't get into that, but I sent it to Lackington's and, and they liked it there. It is, you know, it's 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 my crack at a, at a post-apocalyptic uh, uh, survival story. And in it, I basically have due to any number of factors that I don't really go into great detail because I'm not a huge world builder. I prefer folks to just be like, oh, yeah, that's probably a thing in the future where this is happening. I don't like to world build too much in the future because it's always kind of skunked me in the past where I'm like, well, that didn't work out. I'm no forecaster, that's for sure. But also I, I, I look at our I look at our our use of tech and our use of, you know, uh, social media and, and, uh, and we don't really understand it now. You know, I mean, I have a basic idea of how certain things work. You know, I'm kind of clear on my phone. I'm, you know, I've, you know, I have sort of a, a, t a tinkerer's mentality. So maybe I know a little bit more than most folks, but we just go around assuming a lot about all the tech that's around us. And no, oh, one can, absolutely. Yeah, no one can tell you how it works, so I don't bother with it in my story set in the future, because you know we can extrapolate forward, but it's going to be something weird. But we're also going to not know much about it, anyways. Yeah. It'll just right. be that thing that we have, you know. Uh, so due to due to one of those things or a combination of those things, uh, the male population of the planet dies off. And the ones that don't die uh, undergo extreme monsterism, basically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so, uh, so basically yeah. you've got so you've got so you've got you know basically it's a female planet now except for the marauding marauding and highly destructive males uh, so, so it's, not in, uh, it's entirely not entirely different than you know. No, so it's you know, not actually ex- science fiction. You, you yeah. can extrapolate. You can extrapolate forward, and you know, yeah, there's a little bit of commentary there, but it's it's right there on the surface, so I'm not hammering it home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, and then it's just you know this group of uh, group of women in uh, at, uh, who decide to hole up at Cougar Annie's and uh, deal with this deal with this new world and what they do and. <laughs> And how things go a little south for them. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's the story. <laughs> well, and I'll add to it. It's got a wit to it, and uh, it it reminds me of some short stories that I've read by like uh, early Joe Hill or something like it, like a, a lightness Uh-oh. and an airiness Thank to you. it that you don't. Uh, I don't know, it's fun to read, you know, it's a, and I think sometimes, particularly with, you know, disaster, apocalyptic stuff, it's got a, a heaviness about it, but I, this was a ton of fun to read, so that's, that's why I want, oh, thanks, Tyler. I want everybody to go out and check it out, because I think it's a, a great introduction into your work, if they, if they haven't read it before, so. Thank you, thank, thank you for saying so, that's wonderful. No problem, no problem. All right, so, uh. Let's dispatch with a little bit of housekeeping before we move on. Uh, number one, those uh, class members that uh, listen that are in the Kansas City area, we've got a couple events coming up. Number one, we have Deep Cuts Horror Trivia, Stephen King edition on December 27th at 7 p.m. at Big Rip Brewing Company. It, uh, it'll be a ton of fun. We'll have lots of uh, prizes. We'll also have... Uh, Back issues of Fangoria and some vintage horror comic books that we're giving out as part of oh, nice. uh, somebody that's got uh, a booth uh, that will be setting up his wares. So it's a back in time comics and toys. He's got some classic monster <laughs> keychains he's going to give out to everybody. So it's going to be a, uh, yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun, I think, and our prize pack will be, uh, be great. So pre-show is at 6.30. First question is at 7.00. And we've been working on this one for a long time, Oren. <laughs> we, we are going to screen Dark City at Screenland Top Tapcade the day after trivia on Saturday the 28th at uh, 7 p.m. We may or may not have a super engrossing conversation about psychogeography afterwards, but I'm just so thrilled to share this movie with everybody, man. Uh, we've been, it, it, it we've been trying show. for... We've been trying for, like, two months, so it's going to be good. <laughs> We've been like, come on, man, let us show this movie. Just let us show this movie. Come on, come on. So, but the... And hopefully by the 28th, I will be a human again and not just sort of a cough in a vaguely human shape. Hey, you become more and more human every time I talk to you. you know? More and more corporeal. So, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. Was there resistance to showing Dark City? No, it was just like logistics and timing oh, and stuff. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, All right. The the folks at Screenlight are really pretty cool, and I think have a pretty similar aesthetic to uh, Oren and I. So they were they were totally on board. But I think it does take a lot of time with repertory screenings to like try to nail down 
how much it's going to be and like yeah when they can show it and you know like all that kind of jazz yeah well uh the last thing i would add to housekeeping uh would be if you want to email us uh about potential topics about potential movies or guests or whatever feel free to email me at tyler at signalhorizon.com and uh, i'd love to hear your comments uh, otherwise, join our Facebook group at uh, the Horror Pod Class on Facebook and contribute. And that's where we like to have our post-class discussions. So. <laughs> okay, everybody. I think it's time for Black Mountain Side. <laughs> This is uh, Professor Olson, head of archaeology for U of T, head of field research for the SAA. Francis Monroe, project director. Pleasure to meet you. I'm curious what they told you. They were pretty vague with the details. A week ago, we began unearthing a large object that we think is the roof of a structure that goes down, well, really far. This is the real deal that we're looking at one of the biggest finds in the past century. The crew will be remembered mm-hmm. for the greatest archaeological find. Possibly ever. Yeah, I like the sound of that. There it is, gentlemen. Station nine, come in. Over. Station nine, are you there? Come in, please. Over. Three of our guys are gone. The other two went looking for them. These trucks are headed north. Reservation south. Well, if they're headed north, they're definitely dead. Still feeling shit, eh? Yeah. Even feeling progressively worse throughout the week? Yeah. Someone was sneaking around the outpost last night. I don't know, maybe it was an animal. For Christ's sake, that was no animal. When was the last time you slept? I'm not sure. You're hallucinating. He's here, now, listening, watching. He's watching me, Jensen. I can't move without him watching me. I can't move. Calm down. summary before we go to each of you for your feedback on it. Canada's remote wilderness becomes a chilly catalyst for terror as a group of archaeologists uncover a strange structure buried in the snow. As paranoia and mistrust take hold, the researchers turn on each other. Encouraged by visions of a mysterious figure lurking at the fringes of the woods, is the terror real or is it a hallucination? Whatever they've unleashed is a powerful force they may never comprehend if they survive. <laughs> That's a really long <laughs> summary, actually. Like it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I read that and I was like, shit. Somebody put some effort into you know to typing it out. So so uh, let's just go around. Let's let's start with our guest here. 
What did you think of the movie? You were the one that picked it, so talk to us maybe why you know you're. Yeah, I had wanted I had wanted to see it again. That uh, it'd been a, a little while, so because it's it's one of the, it's one of those films that the imagery has you know and the and the ideas they were in have, have kind of stuck to my ribs a little. So I wanted to go back and and, uh, and and look at it again and see what was going on and whether whether it whether whether the thrill had gone although it certainly hadn't. Um, what attracted me to the well, what I thought of it? Uh, obviously, I like it. There is they've people have said that there's similarities similarities to the thing, and I think that is kind of correct. Um, but with with the thing, the paranoia and the suspicion is all rooted in in body horror, right? Yeah. Uh, in the in the knowledge that you know someone's a, someone's a, a, a perfect a perfect copy, a perfect replica, and you know all the transitionary phases in between. With Black Mountainside, we see the same sort of uh, shape shifting, except it occurs in t- it occurs, at least to my view in more the uh, the psychic realm okay. right it affects yeah. it affects their minds uh, and their minds tell them what they're seeing and who to trust and all and basically the, the force that does this does it not through not through the body but through but through the mind right that's the that's the occupying force yeah uh, one of the things I wrote down while I was watching it re-watching it um, is that uh, like consensus reality, you know, is the thing that tells us what is real and what isn't, but it only works. It's a social construct. It only yeah. works when you're in society. Yeah. And one of the things that they do in this is like, these guys aren't in society anymore. They're all alone up there. And so consensus reality begins to lose any meaning for them anyway, because there's no one to reinforce it. Yeah. It's just them. Okay. They're, they're isolated there. They can't, they can't radio for help and, and say, Oh my gosh, something's happening or something. And so, how do you know when there's a hallucination when there's no one to check against? Is it that they can't radio out? Because I, I seem to th- seem to think they do have access to it. They just choose not to use it. No, they can't get a hold of anybody. They can't get a hold of anybody. Okay. Yeah. When That's they radio right. out, no one answers. There's yeah. A, yeah. There's a fight at one point where one of the characters says to the other, "Like, why don't you use those skills and get in there and fix the goddamn radio or something like that?" So like. <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. yeah. Something wonky with it, but again, yeah. you don't know if it is really wonky or if it's just them, you know. Right. Up. Yeah. And and if they're all hallucinating, how do they know whether it's wonky or not? Right. Right. Now, I I like the idea that this movie flips the idea of like group hallucination and instead talks about group reality and the absence of that because that's you know like, they're. There is not a yeah, everything is a variable, you know. And when there's yeah. a constant, you know, everything's in motion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When you when you have no one else to check against, you know, how can you how can you know what's real and what's not at that and point? They, and they really don't have anyone. It's it's not just people outside of their 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 isolation, right? They're up at this right. at this camp, uh, in this archaeological dig. But 
The only time when they're when the the men of the camp are together, they're usually playing cards. And I noted that it was a uh, it was a strangely toxic male environment, right? <laughs> yeah. Whenever they're together, they're like really, really guys, guys. You know. Right. And I mean, talk- it seems and, like even by the time we meet them the first time, they're already like on each other's last nerve. Exactly. Yeah. But but you know. So that's that's when they're together. Then, but they spend a lot of time alone. Right. Right. They're constantly. They're in their own rooms. They're working on projects. They're you know they stay away from each other. Right. Even though even though this is their you know this is their social group. This is their you know this right. is the this is the fa- this is the family structure. But it's severely dysfunctional. Yeah, and it has that entire isolation <laughs> that you get when you when you put something in the in an Antarctica or in a place like this where yeah where when they isolate themselves it's it can be like 20 feet but you can't cross it because it's too cold or right. the snow's too deep or whatever and so like <laughs> it's, it's really easy to become super isolated super quickly at a very short distance yeah, yeah. And, and like not only that but it, it's like the type of location that's so far removed nobody's gonna stumble into it. there's there's like right. zero chance of deus ex machina you know like it's, right yeah you're totally totally screwed out here so you better figure it out you know right and you can't just like walk to the next town over or whatever because you'll freeze to death right. yeah isn't there there's a scene there's a scene or where they uh where the helpers take off right and they go the wrong direction for some reason yeah. And that's another thing I love about it is that, you know, all this bizarre stuff happens. You don't get any closer. You don't know what happens to the people who disappear. Uh, you, you're basically working on the exact same information that, they, that the, the characters have. Yep. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so, Scott, did, did you first see this at H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival as well? No, I did not. I okay. Where I so that's, that's where I saw it. That's where I saw it the first time. It was like 2014 at the H.P. LFF. What was the uh, what was the take at the time? Uh, I, I the people I saw it with really loved it. Uh, I was with like Amanda Downham and some other people, and then it was it was my at least favorite film of the fest that year. Nice. Um, and uh, so actually, like you said something about it sticking to your ribs, it, it definitely did to mine. And actually, the the title of my story um, that just got podcast on pseudopod uh, when a beast looks up the stars was was taken from me misremembering a line from this movie (laughs) like rewatching it i realized i got the line completely wrong um but you know that that the line stuck in my head even if i remembered it wrong um the the real line is uh like when an animal looks up at the sky what does it see what does it see yeah yeah and it's it's in that you know that fantastic dear god voice which I, I want on my like voicemail whenever someone calls me. I want, I want that voice to, to be like, look, look beyond the trees, look beyond the mountains, leave a message. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the voice is amazing. It's yeah. good. Like if if this movie had gotten better distribution, it would have been like Black Phillip or something. Like everybody would have loved it. That voice is so good. Yes, I, I agree, and I would pay good money to hear our dear voice guy. Like, say banal stuff, you know? Like, right? It was so good. It was so like good. Would you fries with that, you know? Right. Like, oh, God. It was, it was like some ASMR, ASMR stuff. It was amazing. It really was. It's, uh, they didn't, uh, 
they didn't overplay it, right? The the voice actor. Uh, there's something very simple and basic about the voice. You know, it's not it's monstrous, but not part- not in the way you expect. Yeah, you know, that and- sort of deep monotone to it is disturbing. It's if they were if they were actually hallucinating a voice. Uh, as, part, as, as, as someone who suffers from hallucinations every now and again, it's like you, you, <laughs> it's just it's just you, it's it's never as pyrotechnic or Hollywood, right? As, yeah, I mean, part ho- of what makes Hollywood it so, would like us to think. Part of what makes it so scary, like makes it work so well in the movie, is that it sounds so rational. Like mm. if its voice sounds so reasonable. Yeah. Compared even to theirs, like they're yelling at this point at one another whenever they talk, and and really, you know, very emotional, and it sounds so reasonable. It's almost like a psychologist talking to them. Yeah, you know, it's it's, it's just very more, it's, it's very their reason yeah. for its own yeah. purposes. Yep. So uh, that great voice actor is Nathaniel Gordon, and he's billed in this movie as Dear God. So <laughs> I, 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 that just warms my heart. And you and you guys are right, like. He's never, as far as I know, like, some of his shit gets a little trippy at the end, but most of the time, like, they're shouting, like, insane shit at him, like, are you God, are you in the, and then he'll be like, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> you know, like. And I'm, I'm not here to convince you yeah, one way or the other right, or something, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, God no. damn, that's some shit. <laughs> yeah, I love it, I love it. No God worth the name would care. Right, yeah, right. Yes, would yes. care what you what you thought of it, yeah. right, or how you perceived it. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. So yeah, of oh. course it's going to be non-committal. So, yeah. <laughs> and in in that way, it harkens back to uh, another episode that we did, one of my favorite episodes that we did of the horror pod class. We had Nadia Bolkin on to talk about um, uh, the dark song, a dark song, a dark song. A dark song. Yeah, I still is, haven't seen it. Yeah. Terrible. Oh man. <laughs> I'm terrible. I still haven't seen it. I know I need to. But that movie is really consumed with the idea of the sublime, you know, of the sublime as an aspect of horror. And at least in this way, the dear God acts the same way, you know, like you don't, you don't know whether to be enraptured or uh, to fear it or, you know, how to react to it. So I, I think that's, I think that's important. Well, Absolutely. One of the other things I have down here that I want to spend a little bit of time talking about is the alien artifact trope. And we have seen that a lot. Like, uh, we either find an alien object or, you know, if there's a city or a spaceship or something buried in the ground or under the ice. And uh, I thought I would leave it up to the group to kind of talk about... um, Maybe some different examples of that, or how that plays into this movie, or uh, I don't know if this movie has it at all, or you think it's it's trying to tap into something else entirely. I think uh, I don't know. I don't know that this artifact that they're that they're digging up is alien per se, but they do this wonderful thing where they don't actually show you all that all that much of the uh, of the structure that they've unearthed. And then when uh, uh, a couple of the characters are going over some uh, items that they've found, uh, you don't get to actually see them. You hear you hear the characters describing what they're seeing, and I thought that was a really effective way of just uh, 
you know, they say don't show the monster, but then, you know, also don't show the weird thing. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're like talking about pottery and yeah. stuff, but you never really get a clear picture of it. No, no, they just, they're looking at it. It's literally off screen below them on the table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in one, one scene, um, and they're like, and see here, and he's pointing to basically off of the, <laughs> You know, and if, you, if you'll note, if you'll note this uh, detail on the, along the edge, okay. You do get the guy like you do get the guy like doing the um, the line from the thing uh, about you know suggesting that it was aliens at one point, but yeah. the other people don't take him seriously. They all think he's he's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, just just like in the thing, actually, even though it does turn out to be aliens in that case. <laughs> Whereas here, you don't know what the hell it is. Well, and I, I think that particular scene, as you guys are describing it, could be part of the reason why it appeals so much to you all, too. It, it feels very literary, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. it, is, yeah. it, it is a description of a thing, unlike the visual media, you know, so, uh, you know, that we traditionally see in, in film and, and cinema. Also, like, from a basic level, this is a small budget film, so it's it's a great way to yep. avoid yep. you know something looking yeah. cheesy or bad or you know or sinking a bunch of money into a bunch of artifacts that you have to create or whatnot. Right. I think too the fact that you know basically what they're unearthing there is having a specific effect, you know, on them. Uh, so you know any pottery or things that they brought up that would you know bring more uh, 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 no, I'm, no I've lost it there it goes <laughs> I'm sorry well, I mean, but, but basically it's like okay they don't show the pottery because it only has meaning for the characters if they had to if they had to make you know an artifact for the viewer to look at and go oh I'm impressed Right, but what are you what are you impressed at? You're impressed at the fact that they made something weird and cool looking. Yeah. Whereas well, for well, these characters, they're they're prof- you know, they're they're doctors of archaeology, you know, they're researchers. They would know what they were looking at and they would get excited about something that the, to the rest of us would be like, I don't know. Right. Right. One of the things one of the things that does pretty well it, or I think it does pretty well is is convey sort of that this kind of thing is boring if you're an outsider. Like yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they're finding like small rocks and stuff and like they're really excited because it means something to them, but to anyone else it's just like it's just junk. You can't tell. Like I you know, I wouldn't know. Um and so yeah, if they had bothered to show it what good would that have done? We wouldn't have known. Like we had to have that. We'd have to have them tell us why it mattered anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> some choices that they that the that they made with this. Well, and I I think Warren, that's a great point because it kind of taps into this corporate horror element that like the the mundaneness of like your day to day job is bullshit. You know, like. Uh huh. Well, and and they like they bring in they bring in the outsider guy specifically to get grant money. Like that's yes. that's the whole reason he's there. Um, the the guy who's a rival sort of kicks off the storyline. He's there, like explain explicitly saying, you know, so he can write up a report and get us some more grant money. <laughs> yeah, I, I think uh, everybody's got to have the kind of corporate tool, you know, particularly with this, you know, like. All right, fine. We gotta have have this guy do this thing. Well, we have talked some about the similarities to the thing. Do we 
Like, I don't know. Like, I get it. I think it's a fair criticism. They both take place in Alaska. They both use, like, uh, body horror, I think, really, really well. Like, that fucking scene where the thing is crawling in his arm... Oh yeah, I'd yeah. forgotten. I'd forgotten that it was actually yeah. moving under his skin in that scene oh, until I rewatched yeah. it. Yep, yeah, yeah, there's. Yeah. That's I, um, I, I, it, what it reminded me of. We've been just a bit of a tangent, but my my son has had some Achilles heel injuries that we're working through. So mm-hmm. like, like looking obsessively at people whose Achilles heels like break. And it, like, uh, rolls up into the skin like that, you know? And so it does. It, it, and I'm like, that is terrifying. I cannot imagine, <laughs> you know, looking at that ripple in my body and being like, that's me, you know? Oh, and, and <laughs> coupled with pain and everything else. No, that... Oh, my God. Well, that sounds horrible. Yeah, that, the whole thing is uh, is really terrifying, I think, so... It rolls up like a window shade. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Yikes. No. That's yeah. Not okay. Yeah. I once I once knew somebody who who's all all three heads of the uh, of the hamstring muscle uh, had come had come loose at the knee. No. Right? Come loose at the back of the joint due to due to a ridiculous injury, and it just went. And you can't get no. it back. There's no surgery that's going to pull that down and reattach it. It's like that muscle is. Yeah, it's done. You know, it's basically. Yeah. Sorry, or. Thankfully, going over there. Yeah, thankfully the 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 way that our modern medicine handles that is not to, you know, take a shovel and get it red hot and then just stick it right on the yeah. wood. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I just chop that off with a fire axe. It's right, done. Right. Need, Hold it down. Needs must. Needs must. The situation called for that. Yeah, I do think that that is a powerful and effective scene. And now, having seen it in the rewatch, like that's the FX budget and uh, totally money well spent. So yeah, I think totally. they they do a great job with it. So I think to round out our conversation here, I have two weird writers with a capital W. <laughs> Maybe talk to me a little bit about whether or not this is an example of cosmic or weird horror. If those two are similar, maybe they're not. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm you know, you know uh, laziness or whatever. But uh, <laughs> discuss the origin of those terms and whether or not this is an example of it. Huh. I'm going to let Oren go first. <laughs> Thanks. No, I appreciate that. I mean, um, I definitely think that, that uh, Black Mountain Sight is an example of, of cosmic horror, like pretty obviously in, in both that. Um, and the, for one thing, there's multiple ways to read what happens in you know Black Mountain Sight. You can read it at its most simple. You can read it as just that they all have a virus and now they're all hallucinating. Like that is that is its most simple, least capital W weird reading. And even that's pretty weird, like because it it begs questions about what epistemological questions like how do we know what we know? Yeah. Um, You know, like like I said earlier, if you don't have anyone to check against, there's no way to tell a hallucination from reality. Sure. Um, And so like consensus reality breaks down when you're by yourself. 
Um, and so like th- those are those are all definitely like cosmic horror questions, even if you just read it as a bunch of people go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you can start reading it as, you know, oh, they actually did dig up something and maybe that thing really does have some sort of intelligence or a plan for them or there's a, an actual deer god out there in the woods telling them to do stuff. Something with um, agency. Right. And so yeah. then then you have a whole other strata to to deal with if you read it that way. Um, but I mean, I, I think that no matter how you read it, it's definitely got, got themes about um, the nature of reality and our perception of it and our place in it, which are all kind of the, the building blocks of cosmic horror. Yeah. Uh, I think that's pretty good. I choose to, <laughs> to take the reading that there is a gigantic deer god out there. That's going to whisper really basic shit to me. You know? Yeah. I, I love, uh, I love how, I love how the deer god looks too. Like, I love that it looks kind of fake. Like, yeah. If it looked more real, it wouldn't work as well. Like, it's it's delightful. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. There's a there's a there's a simplicity to it. Yeah. It's not thrown together, but depending on your take on what's actually happening in the film, you know, if it is, you know, if they are hallucinating it, you know, then it's probably going to be like a provisionally simple hallucination. Right. You know, just to just so that it's accepted by most, right? Too many right. details, and you'd start getting hung up on them. Well, that, uh, yeah. it, it reminds me of on way back in the day on Sunday nights, like the family would gather around the TV and watch uh, America's Funniest Videos. <laughs> there was this god awful reoccurring character called like the Jack Jackalope, I guess. But the Jackalope. Like, mm-hmm. like a puppet that had antlers on it and it was dumb as all get out right but it looked right. just like that creature uh that was on this movie but for whatever <laughs> yeah, reason like... you know it was terrifying although there's something like especially in the scene when it when it shows up inside the cabin yeah. there's something about it that looks almost like it's been taxidermied yes exactly. which which gives it an air that like it gives it that sense that it is being puppeted by something that's not it's not what you're seeing what you're mm. what you're seeing is what it put on to show you. Yeah, and yes. there's something else behind that. Yes. And yeah. that that gives it that extra sort of layer of where if it had just looked like a real deer, like a live deer, it wouldn't have that. Like I love it. Yeah, I think that's yeah. okay. Much. Uh, Go ahead. Scott, we if you will oblige us, we like to have uh, <laughs> our special guests, you know, that uh, come on. There is always that one kid uh, in the back of the class that either slept through the movie or just didn't get the lecture. Uh, we call that one student anonymous Amazon user because that's where we get these. Guys. So, okay. uh, if you don't mind, and you certainly don't have to, but uh, there were a, a handful of people that uh, did not love this movie, so there were some one-star reviews to pick from. Uh, this is the one. And you chose this one. Yeah, this is, this is the one we chose. So, if you would do us the honor of reading uh, this anonymous Amazon user's one-star review. Absolutely. Good fun. Good times in Badlands. Here we go. Uh, yeah, painfully slow, ridiculous script. I kept hoping for plot redemption. None. They chop off a guy's arm and stand around. 
Another guy cuts off his own arm, and they stand around talking. The doctor performs an autopsy, and they stand around and talk about the octopus cells. Oh, and octopus is in, in quotes. That's quotes there. <laughs> octopus cells taking over the body. And they stand around the body some more, talking about how it's probably contagious. After the woods start talking, starts talking, telling one, telling one of the men to kill, they stand around, but I didn't. I shut it off. Reminded me something middle school students might write and create. <laughs> As somebody that taught middle school for a while, if one of my kids brought me this story, I would like make right. my entire year. I'd be like, oh, yeah. shit, do I have some stuff to share with you? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, my God. Uh, I love I love that these these anonymous Amazon reviews almost always like sound somehow that the tenor of them almost always sounds like the uh, the voicemail thing they use at the Alamo about not talking <laughs> of the, oh, yeah. the, from the girl who got kicked out. Okay. They, they almost all they almost always sound like that somehow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, in, in, at least in my mind, they're always like somebody really tired, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's like I just sat through a hundred movies and. Have left a hundred one star reviews. I just need something <laughs> that doesn't, you know, that isn't terrible or whatever. But uh, it, I probably it, made him sound better than he is. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it, admittedly, there is a lot of talky talky stand around, though. You know. Like, oh yeah. And it's it's fairly intense talking and standing around, though. Yes. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's I mean, nothing relaxed about these conversations. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you can you can make the same claim about like you know any given Quentin Tarantino movie, That's for example. True. true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. dialogue dialogue is not itself inherently a problem. Yeah. Like, like, can you imagine this guy's review of Reservoir Dogs? <laughs> you know, like they stood around and talked to each other. And then they cut a guy's ear off, and then yeah. they stood around and talked. Yeah, and then they pointed their guns at each other. They all and had, talked. Yeah, they all had uh, colors for names. That was weird. Completely <laughs> that be it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, okay. I think that will do it for tonight's episode of the Horror Podcast. Scott, thanks so much for coming on today, man. We Guys, are- thank you for having me. This was a, this was a, this was a treat. All right. <laughs> uh, where can they find more of your stuff on the internet, or you know, elsewhere, or you know, where where uh, where can we find more Scott stuff? Oh, uh, well, uh, whew, well, we've got the uh, collection, uh, which is just out this past week, Shout, Kill, Revel, Repeat, and that's uh, pretty much most of my uh, fiction from the past, eh, let's call it five to seven years, uh, collected in one place, so I'm excited for people to be reading that, because that's, yeah, and that you'll find pretty much anywhere fine books are sold, so Amazon usually. But you can also go to you can also go to the Journal Stone site and order direct from there, and then I think you get a free ebook. So that's I, I was lucky enough to read that early, and it's delightful. So it's really super good. Everybody Thanks, should go out and buy that. <laughs> I'm about halfway through the collection. It's it's man, it's great. So oh, I'm pleased to hear it's that. Fantastic. That's, it's uh, fantastic. It's, it was a it was a bit of a hairy weekend where I'm like, well, here we go. It's all up there and. <laughs> You know, more than just the usual folks are reading it now, and uh, yeah, so I got the nerves got the nerves pretty bad on Saturday, but uh, yeah, no, we, it's been it's been a good first uh, first couple of days. So there's oh, that. Uh, 
my uh, my debut novel Stonefish has been picked up by uh, Ross Lockhart of uh, Word Horde. Out of California, so that's going to be coming out uh, late February, I believe. Oh, that's pretty soon. That's exciting. He he tends to fast track. He sat with Stonefish for oh, I'm going to say close to close to eight months or so. Yeah. But I guess that's how Ross works. He won't let you know anything for a long time, (laughs) and then bam, and then it all goes off. So. Yeah, I, I knew I knew he was releasing it. I just didn't know it was going to be that soon. That's awesome. I'm very happy about that. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited about it. So there's that, and uh, I've also edited a number of anthologies for the now sadly shuttered uh, Martian Migraine Press. So you can go to martianmigrainepress.com, and there's uh, any number of uh, weird fiction anthologies. Where again, we tried not to be beholden to Lovecraft, but we would. Uh, we would take, say, the Tillinghast Resonator from From Beyond and spin that in into an entire anthology with, you know, various applications of the of the tech and consequences and so on. And we've done that. We did that pretty much every year for five years. So there's, you know, there's books there for, uh, yeah, for any taste, really, as long as it's weird. <laughs> right? As long as it's weird, you'll, 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 you'll like what we did with uh, Martian Migraine. I'm sad to have to to you know, express this elsewhere, but I'm kind of sad to have to shut it down. But uh, yeah, needs must. It was, uh, yeah. it was it was it was good while it was good, and now it's no longer. Yeah, now it's time so to small, move on. Small press is a tough world. It's a tough. It world is. To be in. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, but uh, educational. <laughs> <laughs> is there a like uh, social media? Are you on Twitter or Facebook? Yeah, I'm on I'm, I'm on on Twitter at uh, Pimp My Shogoth. <laughs> uh, so you can uh, uh, hit me up there. I'm also on Facebook, Scott R. Jones, and that's about it for the time being. Uh, my website is uh, oh, what is my website now? I think about it. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? Scott R. Jones Writer. Okay. Com. I had to. There's too many of me out there, so I had to. I had to distinguish. You go yeah. to the other one, it's going to be like a realtor or something? Yeah, you know, there's so many regular... I'm, I haven't found a single one yet. <laughs> you need to find the realtor and then, like, <laughs> shit and just sell haunted houses. Like, it's yeah. like, like real off-brand <laughs> and really cool. I, I'm down for that. That's uh, Yeah, that's good. I like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Oren, uh, how about you? Where can we find more of your stuff on the web? I am at, uh, I'm Oren Gray on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and I'm at orengray.com. I write reviews for Signal Horizon, of course, and for Unwinnable, and like I said, uh, one of my stories just got put up on Pseudopods, so you can listen to that. That's such Um, a good one. That I I borrowed the title from this movie, only Mm -hmm. I remembered it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, whatever. Um, It worked, it worked out. Uh, This was the way they can't come and sue me. Um, right, exactly. It was so all yeah. part of your master plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's absolutely it. And yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, very good. You can find more of my stuff uh, at SignalHorizon.com, or you can follow me at Ty Unsel on Twitter, or uh, check out Signal Horizon or Tyler Unsel on Facebook. Uh, we'd like to thank Caleb Frankhauser, who uh, has produced our intro and outro music. And we have uh, a new design and fresh logo for the Horror Pod class coming from a local artist here in Kansas City, Grave Roberts. So we're totally as to uh, unveil that here in the next week or two. 
Uh, please tune in here in two weeks' time when we record a very special episode. This one's just for Oren. Uh, a very special episode <laughs> about Black Christmas and the power of subtext <laughs> in horror movies. All right. Well, right on. Uh, until then, last is now.